Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I've seen you before, and if I haven't, well, nice to meet you. Welcome to the show. We've got big news in the world of college football, and how could this affect the Scarlet Knights? We also check in with former Rutgers great Chris Elaine as he prepares to participate in one of the world's first sports leagues to return. So, last week... We talked a lot about the coronavirus and what's going on with college football and Rutgers, and there were some cracks in the armor. And now the first domino has fallen. Ryan, the Big Ten Conference, announced yesterday that we will move to a Big Ten Conference schedule only, effective immediately. What do you think this means? Well, Alex, going back on this, this is not just for football. This is for all sports, so field hockey, soccer, both men's and women's. Um, we saw this coming. We knew that this was coming, potentially that football might get canceled. We knew that there was all with all this money involved, um, football wouldn't get canceled and all these other sports p- could potentially happen. So we're seeing the start of this, that sports could potentially be canceled for the fall. And, you know, it's almost like a, we told you so. And we knew this could potentially happen. And it just sucks to see. But, you know, it's not something that's entirely shocking. And to those listening, we don't want to be pessimistic. We're a we want to we want to hype up the only the positive things. But in the reality of a worldwide pandemic, it is our job to keep you informed on what is going on in the reality of the situation. So, going to the Big Ten's statement, I think that Commissioner Kevin Warren is leading the way with his response to COVID nineteen among Power Five conferences. I don't think this is the end based on his response because at the beginning of his response, um, and I'll read it to you guys, the Big Ten Conference announced today that if the conference is able to participate in fall sports, so that's if the conference is able to participate in fall sports, based on medical advice, it will move to conference-only schedules in those sports. Okay, now go to the end of the statement. As we continue to focus on how to play this season in a safe and responsible way, based on the best advice of medical experts, we are also prepared not to play in order to ensure the health, safety, and wellness of our student-athletes should the circumstance so dictate. So beginning of the statement, they say we might not play. And at the end of the statement, they say we might not play. So I think the Big Ten Conference is handling this perfectly among Power Five conferences. They're saying, hey, listen... We know this reality is we might not play. We want to play. There are a lot of people that depend on us playing from an economic perspective, and they are not going to shy away from that. So we're going to try to play. But if the circumstances say we cannot play, then we will not play because we are putting the health of our student athletes, coaches, administration, referees, whoever it is, number one. I completely agree with that. Uh, Kevin Warren has done a great job. 
Um, he's leading the way. This is an unprecedented situation. Every decision that's made is with the intent to ensure that everybody's safe, everybody's being cautious. Um, the one good thing that we can think about, though, is that the season hasn't been canceled yet. There's still is hope that football is going to be played, that all these fall sports are going to be played. Um, even with shortened seasons, it guarantees the student-athletes a little bit more hope that they will actually be able to play their fall season, which is good. But as growing uncertainty concerns, that statement is a little pessimistic. And, you know, it really sucks if I was in that position to not be able to play my sport. But at the end of the day, it's all about being safe. And that's what the Big Ten is doing. It's caring for every student-athlete out there. And I think it's the right move, even though that it's really disheartening to hear. We, we talked last week about the trickle-up effect from Division Three to Division Two to the Ivy League. The Ivy League set the tone in the spring. They're doing the same thing again. And I think the Big Ten, being another academically driven conference, is following suit. And, you know, t- props to them. Um, the Big Ten had over 40 non-conference games scheduled. So that's going to impact the rest of the Power Five conferences that were scheduled to play against the Big Ten. And I do think that whereas professional sports, they have less people to worry about and they have maybe a little bit more financial cap, more financial capital to make sure everything is safe. You know, it's challenging financially for teams to have the correct protocol to keep these players safe. And on top of that, think about it like this. There's 130 FBS teams. There's no way if 130 organizations with over 100 some odd people and then potentially another 100 to 200 people on top of that, multiply that by 130. There's no way that they could have the proper protocols and not be taking away from public resources. One of the non-conference games that is not going to be played is Ohio State and Oregon. Um, that makes sense, you know, traveling cross-country, you don't want to spread the virus. Um, but yeah, it really doesn't, it really is going to stink in terms of just the financial aspects. It's really going to be economically hard for all these schools to bounce back because of all these on-conference games are bringing so many fans, so much money to these schools. So that's another thing where you see programs potentially cutting other, other athletic programs in, in, in these universities. So it's just really disheartening. Yeah. And that see. gets us to our next subject with Stanford cutting 11 programs. Um, I think the headline is very alarming, and the fact that you have to cut any program in your school is alarming. But, right, this this uh, situation is not as crazy as the headline says. Um, what can you tell us about that? When you read the headline that 11, of our, 11 sports at Stanford has been canceled, like, holy crap. Like, Stanford, one of the top universities, probably one of the biggest endowments, have a huge alumni base, have all this money come in. How could they possibly cut 11 sports? Well, if you look further in the article, six of those sports are not NCAA affiliated, right? So that's synchronized swimming, squash, men's and women's sailing, uh, men's rowing, and lightweight rowing, right? That's not really good. Those those schools aren't NCAA affiliated, so there's a little bit of fake news there. But in terms of NCAA sports that were canceled were men's and women's fencing, men's volleyball, which is shocking because they're actually good at it, men's wrestling, and field hockey. So it's not as bad as it seems, but you still don't like hearing all these sports getting canceled and canned when you have such a big-time school like Stanford. Especially a sport like wrestling that has been fighting cancellations like at every single level, like with the Olympics, being taken out of the Olympics for a year, and then there was outrage, got put back in. For wrestling fans, being Rutgers being a huge wrestling school and a wrestling school that does really well, that's why we are hoping that 
what whatever happens, we can get some sort of football season, number one, because we love football. And if we're playing football, then that means the situation in our world is better. And we don't want to see that financial uh, hit affect the great people in our communities. Um, so what is, um, we talked about contingency plans last time, but what is a more realistic contingency plan based off of the knowledge that we have now opposed to last week? Well, as you can see in the news, it's still a learning process with COVID. I think that people are learning more and more every day about it. If you look at just the news in general, it's very weird to see that nobody necessarily really has a consensus. Everybody's going to be extremely cautious. But one of the contingency plans that I've seen that's becoming more and more popular is that, you know, if there's a supposed phase two of COVID, that they move football to the spring. Um, I could see that happening. But that impact has so many impacts that are greater than just moving football to the spring. It impacts all the spring sports. And, you know, could you could see a bunch of other players of high profile in college that didn't get to play in the fall not come back and play for the spring. That's true. And um, one of the things that I think – first of all, I think a spring – schedule would be absolutely electric like think about it like at Rutgers, for example the first month is pretty good weather but then it's you know it's kind of cold after that um it would kind of be like sec pac 12 type environments like every game day when it comes to tailgating and all that stuff so i think that would be awesome i don't think they could play a full season because let's say you play 12 games in the spring or excuse me more than 12 games because it's 13 uh 12 games plus the bowl game so you play that amount of games and then you don't have that much time to recover going into the next season. Like that's, that's gotta be pretty tough. Um, but, but honestly, how, how do you think that would affect spring sports? Because I think that would just make campuses more of an electric environment. Like, dude, let's say we have like, you know, for example, Rutgers, we have Rutgers baseball games on, I don't know, Thursday, Fridays, lacrosse games, Thursday, Fridays, and then football games on Saturday or lacrosse games on Sunday. And, um, you know, women's soccer games on uh, Thursday, Fridays as well. I mean, it would kind of be like Rutgers Day, like every single day. Like, I think that'd be kind of sick. I think it could potentially be awesome, but sadly to say, my viewpoint is more pessimistic. I think that if they move football to the spring, I think that a lot of these fall, a lot of these spring sports are going to happen. I don't think lacrosse is going to happen. Baseball could happen because there are different parts of the campus, but I don't think lacrosse lacrosse would necessarily happen. I think that one thing has to go. Football takes so much manpower, and there's so much planning involved with it that Rutgers would just uh, Rutgers lacrosse more specifically would just be put to the back burner. And I think that those seasons would potentially be canceled. It sucks to say, but football, as we said in the last podcast, has everything to do with money. Rutgers football makes so much more money than lacrosse, and not even funny. And it's going to take precedent over lacrosse. And I just don't see if they move football to the spring that the that the Rutgers lacrosse season could happen. I'm going to kind of disagree there. I just think that you can you can still have a lacrosse season and a baseball season, for example. But you just can't. For example, you'll have to make some sacrifices, like scheduling wise, number one, and then number two, where you play. So let's say that there's a Rutgers football game on Saturday. Well. Well, lacrosse guys, you've been awesome in in the stadium, but you're going to have to play at your sack or F3, which I don't think there would be a problem. You know, we, we're going to play and the team looks like they'll be electric, but that's a that's a conversation for another day. 
Um, but I'm going to disagree there. I think that there is a way to make it happen. Maybe it wouldn't have all the bells and whistles that it usually does, but I think it would still happen. But Rutgers just made a decision this week about having all classes for this year beyond. No, but they, only the, no, they, they said only fall semester and, and was it only fall semester. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, they said only wrong. fall semester and they're going to play it by ear, which the big 10 is doing, which means that everyone is ready to potentially, you know, bunker down to to try to beat this virus at all costs but real realistic realistically though i don't necessarily see even though that they only said the fall semester i don't necessarily see how they don't make the spring semester online too right so in that respect just me thinking about it ahead i don't like being pessimistic but just thinking about it is that they're trying to limit the people amount of people on campus if you have spring sports and fall sports going in the same season that's going to make more people together that's going to have more people interact with each other and even though that oh my god you're right that ma- even though that that makes that makes great i love interacting with people but right now it's not the best thing and if you bring all those athletes to campus at the same time and there are so many of them this virus could spread like wildfire and i don't think that schools are ready to endanger all their athletes for ha- to have covid spread between all these different programs and this could lead to effects that affect those programs for years to come so oh, it's really, really hard for me to see that all sports would happen in one season. It's either going to either going to have fall sports happen in the fall and spring sports happen, or they're going to push fall sports to the spring. Spring sports are going to yet again get canceled, which sucks to hear. But I think that's the more the reality of the situation. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's think of a contingency plan for spring sports. Something that I think would be electric would be if you played, let's say, summer lacrosse or summer baseball or whatever especially for a school like Rutgers which is in the northeast um and i think that if you made those sports in the spring with good, i mean you move those sports from the spring to the summer although the athletes would lose their summer vacation i think it would be pretty awesome um from a player's perspective and from a fan's perspective and i think if things are back to normal you know post covid with a vaccine i think they would also uh, make a lot more money. I think lacrosse would potentially become a revenue sport at the college level if it was played in the summer. I think that's a good point. But then again, though, if if schools even move things, if they move football and all these sports to the spring, how do, what's the effect for years to come? Like if you play a season in the spring, you can't play it again. Well, in then the I fall. think I think you play. Let's say half the season. Let's say you play six games. I think that's fine considering you have a spring ball with fifteen practices. So it would basically be it would basically be a conference only like half conference only spring ball is what you're saying if they played football. Yeah, so like let's say Big Ten. Um let's say oh okay, Big Ten East plays only Big Ten East and Big Ten West only plays Big Ten West. Um that would be tough for us considering the Big Ten West uh is an easier side. But I think that with a new coaching staff playing the tougher teams at first, maybe we would have an edge schematically in surprising them. Um but I do think that that's something if you play half the season you get half the revenue and it's that less of a financial hit, which could keep all the other sports intact. And you don't have to do things like Stanford. Um, Although it's not as bad as you think, you never want to cut a single sport, let alone five sports. That's a very good point. Um, So then if let's say we do a spring ball, right? Let's do, let's say a six week regular season in the spring, right? Yeah. Which is what it basically is anyway. I mean, you, you have teams start spring ball in March and the end of the middle of April, you have, you're allowed 15 practices. That game is one practice. Um, but you're doing things every single day and spring ball is a very physical, very physical 
part of the year because the coaches are like, okay, well, you've got like a whole summer to heal up. So we'll just do a lot of hitting. And that's why you see actually a lot of injuries happen in spring ball. Makes sense. Makes sense. So let's say they do a shortened season in the spring. Um, they get pushed back to the summer. This is all hypothetical. It would be sick if you played summer lacrosse and summer baseball. That would be awesome. Imagine a April Big Ten atmosphere every single game. That would be awesome. awesome. Fine. Great. So now we can't keep football in the spring every single year, right? Let's get, let's imagine it's a post COVID world, right? Vaccine, we're done with COVID, right? Everything's basically back to normal at this point. Ideally, ideally. Ideally, that's an ideal world, right? Do we then have another shortened football season, but we start in October of that following fall, right? Another in conference shortened season, and then everything just resets again. Uh, yeah, but I don't think you need to have a shortened season that fall. Maybe what you do is you you start in October and you get rid of that layoff period in December because the way college football is now, you have your games from September to Thanksgiving, and then you have the which is twelve games with one bye week, and then you have the conference championship season in with the you know Big Ten championship game, SEC championship game, et cetera, et cetera. That first, you have that that first week of December, and then you have like the two three week layoff for the college football playoff teams. It's like a month. Like I don't think that although that layoff is really important for the players to get a rest, it's really not. You know, it's really used as more of a developmental tool for younger players, which is awesome. But if that's what has to be sacrificed, then then sacrifice it to make the schedule a little bit more condensed and get those games in. And honestly, I've experienced those practices in December. There will be plenty of players who thank you for not making them do 15 extra bowl practices where those first seven for guys who are not starting. So if you're a a number two player, let's say you're the um, backup linebacker, you are getting a lot of reps like God forbid the starter gets gets hurt, or if you're a red shirt, it's basically like training camp all over again. Like that is that is you know it's it's not fun sometimes. The coaches look at it like, oh, this is awesome. We're developing you, and w- the players are just like, well, we just played a whole damn season. Like, get off me. It's Christmas. I want to be home. Like, leave me alone. Makes sense. I mean, you experience in football know that firsthand, and I'm sure that those those conversations happen. But getting back to this potentially spring football season. If I'm a high-profile player that has a future in the NFL that I'm a top-five draft pick, a.k.a. Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence, I'm not playing in the spring. It's There's no point to play in the spring. Oh, no, I'm out. I'm out, bro. Like, honestly, I might be like, I might be out like even if there is a season with COVID. Like I'm I'm not, I ain't playing. Like like it's not worth it. And guess what? Your teammates will understand because this is worldwide pandemic. Like this is not this is this is this is unprecedented times. And I think the Big 10 um uh, with their statement um in their statement they said that if any student athlete throughout the 20 and 21 year no matter what sport doesn't want to play if there's a season, you do not have to play and we will honor your scholarship. So if you're if you don't feel safe, you know, don't play and, and you shouldn't be playing. And honestly, um, you know, I don't know if we should be playing at all at this point. I wouldn't I wouldn't play at all. I had there's so much more going for me if I'm that, that high, if I'm gonna have an NFL future, there's no point of risking it. And you know, 
I might hurt my draft stock if I keep playing. I won't be ready for the NFL season that will happen. It's just really, really – I think it would just be really, really not wise for all these kids that are draft eligible to not play. So if we see that spring season potentially happen, you could see so many people not play, and the college football – I think the level of college football will probably suffer because all the top guys won't be playing because they're eligible for the draft and will be you know, not available. Yeah, but football's football. I mean, we saw with the XFL like the first couple weeks. I know the ratings. Oh, people are gonna people are gonna watch regardless. I'm just yeah. saying the level of football is not gonna be good. In, yeah, but you- um, yeah, but the 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 point. I think the point would be for that would be to to ease the financial impact that will happen when there's or when slash if there is no season this fall. You know, I hope that we're able to still play football in the fall, but you know. We just got to see how things progress. Yeah, I mean, if you have to play somebody twice, play them twice. If Rutgers were to play a 12-game season— Well, they only have nine on the schedule right now. Their schedule their schedule right now, just let me read it to you, is Ohio State, Illinois, Purdue, Indiana, Nebraska, Maryland, Michigan, Michigan State, and Penn State. Yeah, but dude, a couple years ago, the Big Ten eliminated um, non-conference games from four to three, um, unless they're—and and said you couldn't play as many FCS games. So— I don't really think that if you play a football That's season, only Big Ten games, it really affects the Big Ten at all, or that much, excuse me, because you're playing nine out of 12 games Big Ten anyway. And I think what that does, let's say we're, you're Rutgers and you get three extra games against Big Ten West opponents, that helps you. Completely, but it also eliminates those hour conference games where you can get a couple wins, build that confidence up. Rutgers' first game this year was going to be against Monmouth. They were probably going to win that, but now they open against, you know, Ohio State defending Big Ten champion, we're college football play college football playoff bound. I think that this is a little bit more of a pro uh, pro for Rutgers. Um, they wouldn't be starting until September 26 now. Um, whole new coaching staff. There's no film on them. Ohio State in, has been in the news for having increased COVID issues. They might. I mean, I'm not saying we're going to win that game, but we might come show out a little bit better. Then Illinois is still a rebuild. I think we'll be better than them. Purdue, not, not We're going to be Purdue. We're going to be Purdue. Yeah. Indiana, um, they're okay. Like, I think we compete with them. Nebraska, Scott Frost, maybe it's his year. Maybe it's no not. No way. No way. I'm going with Scott Frost. I'm going with the Shiano man. Maryland, Mike Loxley down there. Guess what his career coaching record is, just in general? Uh, a lot to a little. Seven and forty. He might be recruiting well, but I think that we can, you know, probably beat Maryland. Um, then we finished with Michigan, Michigan State. And Penn Wait, State. whoa, whoa, whoa! Didn't they get Tua's brother though? I think Maryland. they did. Yeah, uh, Talia. Uh, uh, yeah. So I mean, he's. I mean, if he's if he's anything like Tua, that's going to be a, a program changing guy. So don't sleep on Maryland, even though uh, they're the twerps and we don't like those guys. But uh, yeah, still, but we still have to just. You know they have, might have the talent, but Mike Mike Loxley's you know career. I know seven anal- analytics, analytics. I could see Rutgers having four or five wins if the Big Ten season happens. That's how confident I am in Shiano. I don't think that I don't think it's absolutely ridiculous. And they have a whole new offensive coordinator, Rashawn Gleason. He's going to bring that air raid style that is not really true in the Big Ten. Big Ten is much more of like a ground and pound type league, but bringing a completely different offense to a league. People aren't going to be ready for it. I think that that could potentially lead to four or five wins and Rutgers being back on the on the winning way and potentially being competitive in the Big Ten again under Greg Schiano. There are a lot of these quarantine tournaments that are going on over the next couple of weeks. Um, there's a women's soccer tournament going on now. 
Uh, Yes, in Utah. So we're going to interview Chris Elaine, Rutgers class of 2016, um, in a second. He is going to preview the MLL, Major League Lacrosse quarantine tournament that is going on this upcoming week. I'm really excited to talk to Chris. He's a great friend of ours. And he's dealt with a lot of adversity throughout his career, and it is great to see him playing pro This man hails from New City, New York, standing at fifth all-time in saves for the Rutgers lacrosse program. He was the 2013 Big East Goalkeeper of the Year, but it was his emergence as a senior, overcoming adversity, which helped play a critical role in leading the Scarlet Knights to an 11-5 season in 2016. He is now currently an assistant coach at Canisius College and a professional lacrosse player for the Connecticut Hammerheads. Go Shacks. Ladies and gentlemen, representing Bill's Mafia, Chris Elaine. How would you best characterize the play of your goaltender, Chris Elaine? Lights out. Turns the corner. No room to roll. Feeds inside. Oh, tremendous stop. Elaine beat Radzowicz. Right from the front court. The goaltender, when he gets hot, he is so tough to beat. Chris, what's going on, brother? What's uh, how are you? Everyone's healthy, everyone's safe in the fam. Yeah, everyone's good. Uh, my my middle brother actually just had his first kid, so. Uh, oh, congratulations, man! Oh, nice. Yeah, thank you, sir. I'll go for the third time. Yeah, after the third time, so uh, yeah, he's down in Colorado. My mom actually is uh, just flying back today, going to see him for the first time. So, whole bunch of pictures and everything. I'm planning on. Going out to see him after the season, and, and you know, flying in a hazmat suit so I could go uh, go see my nephew. But I'm I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, man. Now is the time to fly with those cheap flights. It's like that's always like thirty five dollars a flight or something. Oh uh, no, it's not. I, I was looking the other day, and I could uh, I could I could definitely uh, put some you know use my points from uh, from recruiting season and everything, and, and make a quick uh, quick trip. So I'm looking forward to it. Glad you're doing well and glad everyone's healthy and safe. It's your first season with the Connecticut Hammerheads. A lot of continuity from the Dallas Rattlers. Um, I guess, what are you expecting with this tournament? And when did you know that this was going to happen? Yeah, so it's been, you know, obviously kind of under wraps for a little bit. So there was, there was a couple of rumblings early in the summer. And then once we started getting, uh, you know, word from our coaching staff, you know, the front office about what the plan was. Um, you know, we kind of just had to keep it under wraps until they started releasing everything. But I think it was pretty obvious that we were going to, we were going to play just based on how many guys were, you know, still training and still kind of posting stuff on social media. But, um, you know, it's definitely been a unique off season just because, you know, as you know, with the lacrosse world and and the pro lacrosse world, the guys are, you know, trying to find something to do right now, you know, the guys (laughs) that are lacrosse full time. So I fell into that boat. Um, so I was definitely just ready to get going and, once they kind of let everything uh, everything fly on social media, I've been chomping at the bit to, to get going. So, uh, you know, I can't – next week can't come quick enough. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure about that. But how does it feel to be, like, the first pro league back? I think this is, like, an awesome platform to lacrosse to truly grow, to reach a wider audience. 
Yeah, no, I, I think it's awesome. And they did a great job with the, uh, you know, partner with ESPN to kind of get our games on plus and in, in ESPN too. So, um, you know, it, it's awesome to be back. And, uh, you know, I, I think the, just being able to turn on ESPN right now and you're seeing, you know, dodgeball playing or, or, you know, the, the real ESPN, the Ocho, uh, the last couple, last couple of weeks, it's cool that we can actually, uh, you know, get some, some sports on there and, and get a, you know, a wide, you know, net cast to be able to, to watch us play. So I'm, I'm excited. Good thing they skipped midget tossing, you know? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think that one, uh, that one might have been, uh, you know, in, in some of the other uh, other leagues, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll let that one fly. So your guys' goaltending unit is absolutely loaded. You really have three All-American, All-Pro, All-World type players. What's your mindset going into this season? You know, it, it's it's something that, you know, as a goalie, you always want to be the guy, but at the end of the day, there's, there's obviously only one on the field at a time. Um, so it's no different than when we were in college and, you know, a couple, couple games that I might not have started and, and we went with Coos or, you know, wh- whatever the situation was, um, you know, we're, we're definitely a tight knit group and, and kind of rally around each other. And if, you know, whoever's in there is going to support the other guy and, you know, whoever's not playing, but, um, you know, Sean's a stud. There's, there's no way around it. Um, you know, he, to come in the way he did, you know, a little bit later in the season last year and, and to, I think he was around 59%, um, you know, that's no easy feat in, in pro lacrosse. So, oh, that's um, you know, whatever the situation. Yeah, yeah. No, so, whatever the situation is, whether I'm playing or you know backing him up and you know be, just being a supporting guy for for whatever they need of me, I'm I'm ready to do. So, um, I'm just excited. There's no way around it. It's, it's an exciting time. We're, we're excited for you, man. We're, we're excited for you. That's why we're here. And I think you're such a great story. And I think you're a story that people need to know more about. So just going back between the MLL and PLL, I know that there's been a ton of attention on the PL lately compared to the MLL. How have you guys as a lead decided, you know, MLL is still here. Like, how are you guys still deciding, like, we st- we got to still build the brand of the MLL because it's still an important league. It's been in the league for 20 years already. So how do you compete with the PL to make sure you guys are still relevant compared to them? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's obviously the big thing and you know they've got their their bells and whistles but at the end of the day you know it's, it's the on-field product is is still incredibly incredibly powerful you look at the guys around our league you know Lyle Thompson, Peacock, mm-hmm. Stanwick, uh, you know Scanoni on our team we've got we've got a lot of talent and I, I, I think from the top to the bottom there's it's professional lacrosse so you know the guys can can score goals make saves make stops uh, defensively so there's a lot of talent to be to be seen so I think it's really just going to be one of those things where once you get a chance to see the guys play and, and some of these battles that we're going to have next week, um, I, I really don't think there's, you know, that much of a crazy drop off. So, you know, I, I have obviously buddies in both leagues and uh, I, you know, root for both. And, and obviously at the end of the day, just want to see, you know, professional outdoor lacrosse flourish because I think it's, uh, it's too beautiful of a game to not take that next step. I completely agree with you. I'm, even though that, you know, the PL has gotten a lot more shine lately, I hope both leagues, you know, rise to the cream of crop. I want them to both be so successful because people don't realize how special just lacrosse players are in general that play pro lacrosse. And either league is so special that I just want everybody to succeed, especially if playing Division One lacrosse, knowing some of the guys that play. I just want everyone to be to do well. And I hope the leagues fl- flourish because, you know, it's a time where, you know, they got to be able to because no, no other sports are really going on. No, for sure. And you, you, to, you know, kind of piggyback off of that, like a guy like Colin Eacock, mm-hmm. if you see him right now, he's, 
probably three times better than he was in college. Rumors that he was training for the NFL, so um, he, he's no joke. He could legitimately play safety in the NFL right now just looking at him. So uh, there's those are the kind of guys that, that need to be showcased because there's there's too much talent in, in our league to not be able to, uh, to get them, you know, see them playing on the bright lights. So, uh, you know, ESPN, ESPN Plus moving forward, I, I'm, I'm pumped. You know, I saw that the MLL is going to kind of have a football type substitution box on different sides. So, like, uh, usually look in lacrosse at every level, the substitution box is on the same sideline. So, how do you think that impacts the game as a whole, especially when people might play some substitution games to create matchup issues and six on fives, four b threes, five on fours? I mean, as a goalie, that's going to be. A very tough adjustment. Yeah, so, uh, you know, the coach in me uh, is a little bit nervous to see how that's all going to play out just because running the substitution box in Kenesha, uh, it's chaotic to begin with. Um, but now having to know looking across the field and try to make, you know, those substitutions and, and match feet in, excuse me, in different situations, um, I think, you know, subbing through the midfield line is going to be incredibly important in, in those attacks. We need to be you know, head on a swivel at all times in case you need to make a quick sub. Um, other than that, I, I'm kind of curious to see how it goes. And I imagine that we're going to be, you know, running through some scrimmage situations once we get to camp, uh, just because this is something that none of us have done before. But I think at the same time, you know, it, it's going to make for some, uh, some crazy transition opportunities. Because if you, if you, you know, beat a guy subbing, you're going to end up with a, a 65 or 64 situation uh, just kind of organically. So, you know, our coaching staff, we've got, you know, Coach Gibson, who's, you know, a, a Division One coach himself. Um, you know, Coach Warder, coach at Hobart. Um, you know, we just added, uh, co- you know, the coach at Hobart, and then we added Coach Hobart today, uh, who's coached in, in both the PLL, or excuse me, the MLL and NLL. Um, so, you know, we've got a staff that, that knows what they're, what they're doing. And then Coach Boltus, you know, played at a high level, played in the MLL for, for many years and is now mm-hmm. coaching. So uh, I, I'm confident that they're already having those conversations and figuring out what they're, you know what the best route is that we're going to do in the, in the substitution game it could be innovative too like like depending on how it goes no for sure the only thing i'm a little bit nervous about is uh you know not necessarily buddy passes but there's no way to prepare for how you're subbing onto the field that way so i don't know where guys you know visibility is going to be and that's why i'm kind of happy that it's not my job other than to throw the ball and make sure that no one's getting their head taken off but um <laughs> you know definitely i think it's going to be a unique look for some midfielders how do you think that impacts the clearing game? I mean, it's going to be interesting. I think, uh, I think what's going to be good is that all of our polls, for the most part, uh, we've got off the top of my head. I don't want to misspeak, but I want to say we've got at least four polls to play in the NLL. So those guys know how to carry. So I don't think we're going to get the opportunity to really get that box side defenseman off as often, just depending on even which bench you get. So I think it's just going to have to be, you know, guys are going to have to stay on the field and clear the ball and, and kind of be an athlete and leg it out. Um, you know, I could be wrong, but that's just kind of my two cents, just kind of thinking about it. But I think there's going to be a lot of, uh, you know, cat and mouse games. And, you know, if you get a, a face-off guy, unfortunately, to tell you they've shown, but oh, you're yeah. going to kind of have to, uh, kind of have to expose those guys. So uh, definitely no, going to have done, to talk those <laughs> That's why they're bringing two of them. No, and that's the thing is, you know, uh, small rosters and, and playing that many games and that many days, uh, you know, being an athlete and, and just being a lacrosse player is going to be so valuable. So, you know, I, I, I don't know how necessarily we're, we're, you know, going to 
going to kind of divvy out reps or whatever it's going to be, but I think it's going to be so important for, uh, for kind of dividing up the, uh, the gameplay. So as you mentioned that the MLL is doing a tournament, it's not going to be that it's going to be a shortened season. It's kind of like what the PLO is doing. Um, but I know you mentioned that you're a coach of Canisius. How do you think that's going to help your have help help the connect hammerheads as a whole? Because you know they're not going to have as much time together. You being a coach on the sideline, how much do you think that's going to help the team to you know lead to some yeah. success? Yeah, I I definitely think that's going to be uh, it's going to be something valuable just because you know I it's something I'm doing every day. Um, so uh, I think in terms of X's and O's, like I'm not going to really be the the first one into the, into the meeting room to, to you know, steal, steal yeah. the whiteboard. But I, <laughs> but I think uh, just kind of being able to be that, that coach on the field, uh, you, everyone kind of aspires to be at this level. Um, I think that's going to be huge. And, and just being able to kind of, you know, Sean's, you know, Sean Scanoni, like we talked about before, he, he coaches as well at St. John. So, um, you know, just being able to be on that back end and be a quarterback and being able to, uh, you know, help out as much as we can, just what we see. Um, is going to be huge just because it's, it's going to be an all-hands-on-deck kind of situation because, you know, with the substitution game and, and you know, sidelines on the different side and, and the fact that we're playing that many games in, in that many days, you know, guys are going to be wiped. So, uh, you know, the classic cliche is, is every player has heard is, you know, you can't really – you don't expect as much or you expect more mistakes uh, when you're tired. And, you know, that's going to kind of happen naturally just with, with how many games and how many days. So just kind of having as many hands-on-deck, like I said, is, is now, from a health perspective, um, what have they communicated with you guys um, for prior to this tournament, during, and after? Because, for all we know, you know, some some people might be like, "Oh, after, well, they're they're gone." But you could get this during it and not know until after. For sure, and and that's the thing is they they followed all the CDC you know guidelines and and try to make sure that they they did everything in the best of their ability and. I think part of the, you know, the reason that they chose Annapolis is because, you know, the people, the, you know, cadets and, and the, uh, the guys that are at Navy are, are, were there for, you know, a decent amount of, of, uh, you know, this pandemic. So, you know, they're obviously going to take things to a, a higher precaution and, and take all the measures necessary. But, uh, you know, leading into it, we've, we've all been getting, you know, our COVID tests and making sure that we're not, you know, doing anything stupid right now. So I've been kind of bunkered down and, and laying low. Um, you know, the only time I'm really going out is to, is to train. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think everyone's kind of on the same page and and luckily enough, uh, the majority of our guys are in, in mega hotbeds of, uh, you know, where Corona's starting to spike again. Uh, and the guys that are, are, you know, obviously taking all the precautions. So, um, it's just kind of a, you know, do everything the right way make sure you're, you're wearing a mask when you're, when you're going out, washing your hands and, uh, you know, we're kind of just feeling about it that way. So, um, all the plans that we've seen in order of, of keeping guys safe, you know, we're, we're obviously going to abide by and, and make sure that we're, we're doing our part here. Are those visors mandatory? Uh, to be honest, I'm not exactly sure. Um, I, you know, I, I'm assuming we're going to get our homeless with them on. And then I think uh, at that point you're, it, it might not be required, but it's, it's mm-hmm. preferred. Um, I, you know, I ha- have friends who have played hockey and, and wore the fish bowls and, those fog up, but they, they say these, these guys won't. And I think with as many events as we have in our helmets, they, they might not. So, you know, if they, if, if I don't see any issues with it, might, might keep mine on. So, you know, I'm curious to see what, uh, what they're about. I haven't, I haven't gotten mine yet. I'm not a doctor, but you know, you see nurses and doctors wearing those face shields. So may, maybe that, maybe they do help. I don't know. Do you think they could wait, make like a uh, face off guys wear them? 
Because I mean, that's probably I, where the most—that's where the most like contact. You know, people are going to be closer to each other, like all that. You know, I feel like that would be the only situation. But that's even tough to monitor. They get—they, yeah, I think they should. They definitely should because those face-off guys are like breathing against each other, like before the, they blow the whistle. Like yeah, they gotta I, be. I'd imagine so, um, but you know that's uh, that's that's way above my pay grade. I'm definitely not the uh, <laughs> not the scientist here. So, um, but but you know, like we said, they're they're taking all the precautions to make sure that we're we're staying safe. Definitely. Um, I know that, you know, you guys locate, you guys were the Rochester Rattlers this year compared, you know, the Connecticut Hammerheads, you know, the whole MLL is kind of condensed. Um, do you think that's, I mean, I know, I think it's probably good for the league to be perfectly honest with you because like, you know, not everybody, because not many people know that pro lacrosse players, they just travel on the weekends, you know, they'd be going mm-hmm. all over the country now. I think that even though just this COVID world, nobody's really traveling, but I think for the future, the MLL is probably the better decision so that more people could be involved with their teams. Yeah. And it was, you know, the travel for me, uh, the last two years going to Dallas, it was, you know, it's a direct flight, but it's still, it's still a tough travel. And I had one situation last season where, uh, you know, one of my flights had gotten, you know, a leg got canceled and then next thing you know, I'm missing our walkthrough. So um, I, I definitely think that it's helpful having everyone close and, and Denver being the furthest west. Um, and then, you know, moving forward with, uh, with, or, excuse me, with, uh, Columbus, Ohio and, yep. uh, Denver and, uh, Char- and Charlotte coming back. So, yep. Yep. um, oh, I, I just think, back? you know, keep in 2021, that's the plan. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's, you know, I think being able to keep everything kind of condensed is easy enough for travel and, you know, being where I'm at in, in Buffalo, it's, not terrible travel for me. So um, mm-hmm. I, I definitely don't have any issues with it. It's, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And, you know, growing up in where I did in New York, you know, playing at Fairfield and unfortunately yep. not doing it this year, but that would, yeah. that would have been easy being able to get some of my buddies to games just because it's, it's right down the, down the road. Oh, we would have been there. We would have been oh, watching the shacks. <laughs> oh, I know. We would have been watching the shacks. <laughs> the shacks. It's very, I think it's very naive um, for people to say the MLL is not a talented lacrosse league. That is such mm-hmm. like, you do yeah. not understand the sport. If you say that, because you don't watch the film, uh, th- there are guys everywhere. And I'm glad you guys are going to be able to showcase, um, your talents. And, uh, we're looking forward to watching you. Um, but I have a question for you in terms of, um, you know, your Rutgers experience. So you experienced a lot of adversity at Rutgers. Um, you were the goalie of the year in the Big East over John Kemp, who is one of the best goalies in NCAA history at Notre Dame. Um, so that in itself is super impressive. And then the next two years were, were, were kind of rocky. I was there for the junior year. Goalie, a lot like face-off. Very mentally challenging position. It can test you in a lot of different ways. Um, but to see you as a senior do what you did and help lead us, um, on that Big Ten championship tournament run, um, it just made me, um, number one, so happy for you as your friend and as your teammate. And looking back on it, it's just, it's super impressive. And the mental toughness that you showed and how good of a teammate you were when things weren't going well. Um, how has that experience like really prepared you um, for pro lacrosse, which is really tough is kind of like a meat market uh you know i think it's uh it's one of those situations and i had heard uh you know a, an nhl fighter and as you guys know i'm a big hockey fan but uh 
I described that, you know, being on the bench, uh, you know, as a, as a fighter, you know, you're, you're getting six to eight minutes in a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you're able to, to almost become a coach because you're watching from the best seat in the house. Um, so I think, you know, obviously going through some of that adversity and, you know, I, 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 you could call it adversity, but at the end of the day, I was still getting a chance to do what I love to do every day. Um, but I think it kind of prepared me to understand that, you know, you have to take everything that you can't take anything for granted. And, you know, I'm not necessarily saying I didn't work hard because I don't think that was the case, but, you know, maybe, you know, I, I should have put it in another workout or saw more shots. And that might've been part of the reason I didn't have some success for those, uh, you know, that sophomore junior year. But, um, you know, the, the biggest thing that I kind of took away from it was that, you know, like I said before, there's, there's only one guy that's going to be on the field. So, you have to be the best teammate and, and be supportive of that guy that's in the net because as quickly as, you know, you, you might have lost a spot, it could be yours, you know, when a guy takes a shot off the hand or something. And, um, you know, I think just being able to be a good teammate is just kind of who I am as a person. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't necessarily think that, uh, that, that that team we had, that it would have been a situation where, you know, I wasn't playing and all of a sudden I would have sulked in the corner. You know, obviously I was frustrated, but, uh, I, I love the guys in front of me and, and you know, I, Max is one of my, one of my best friends and, you know, Koozie is my guy, as you guys know. So, you know, it, it wasn't a, a matter of like, oh, you know, screw that kid. It was that's my best friend and he's getting his shot now. So I'm going to, I'm going to support him the best I can. And, you know, how's that kind of helped me grow and, and transition into the program, the pro game and as a coach, you know, you're going to have situations where as, as a coach, you're going to have guys that are frustrated and think they're going to be the guy and, and, you know, it doesn't work out that way. And, I think being able to lean on me and, and understand that, you know, how it was for my experience and, you know, to see that I ended up panning out, you know, where some people might not have thought it would have happened. And then, you know, at, at the pro level, uh, my rookie year, I got picked up, uh, you know, when we were in Rochester uh, mm-hmm. with the intention of starting me for one game. And I knew that going into it where John Galloway was still Jacksonville and, and Blaze had uh, NLL, you know, commitments at the time. And, they, you know, I, I started a game. I, I did pretty well. Unfortunately, we didn't, we didn't win. But, um, you know, after that, I was kind of in and out whenever they, uh, you know, needed a guy. And that was kind of my first two years in the league. And then, uh, you know, even last season was kind of the same thing where, uh, you know, with, with CB and Sean, we kind of bounced around a little bit. You know, I, I was on the opening roster and, then, uh, you know, got, got bounced around a little bit. But, you know, I was, I was ready to go when my name was called. And that's the kind of the biggest thing that I, I preach to my guys that I had at school is, you know, you, you really never know. And it's like, I hate to use, you know, uh, you know, Bill Belichick, but, you know, as a, I got my Bill shirt on here, but <laughs> you know, the best, best coach in the game. But, uh, you know, next man up mentality is so important, as cliche as that can be, because you never know when, when your number's in your call. I, I completely agree with you. Uh, my experience at Rutgers, I love that school. I gave everything that I had. You know, it didn't really end up the way I wanted to be not playing, but at the end of the day, you got to make what do. You know what I mean? So, like, I was trying to be the best team I could, and I did everything that I could do. And, you know, at the end of the day, I did everything that I did, and I have no regrets. Like, I was the best teammate that I could be, you know, didn't make my impact on the field, but I made it everywhere else. So I hey, – I'll never forget, uh, you know, the any scout rep where it was a two-handed guy. It was 2-8 <laughs> wearing yep. that practice jersey to emulate whoever he needed to. So, believe me, that's, that's the thing. And, you know, a lot of people kind of look at the, you know – they hear you played college sports and then see the stat book and they don't understand how much goes into it. And, you know, it, it, it really is so true that it's every, it takes an army and it takes a village to be successful in, in college sports and really in all sports. Cause you know, you look at a business, it's 
the, the you know people that might be in the lower level positions you know they might not get the the write-ups and forbes but they're just as important as the ceo to make things work so it's kind of the same uh same mantra that i kind of live by there at the end of the day, like, you know, if you read the stat book, like, you know, you won't see Ryan Cunningham anywhere in this, but like, I don't care about that. That doesn't mean anything to me. It just means that I have the appreciation and the respect of the guys in that locker room. Anybody, anybody can say anything they want about me, but as long as I have my teammates and everything, I don't need anybody else. So I'm completely with you there. Ryan oh, you got it, a legend. Ryan Cunningham <laughs> is, a, is a legend. Come on. Who else has a burger named after them? Come on. Oh, man. That's a high school thing, bro. <laughs> oh, it's, a, it's not a high school thing anymore. It's a life thing. Um, what was it? Uh, um, going back to your, uh, your thing about being a good teammate and stuff, um, being able to relate to you with, uh, you know, from face-off guy to a goalie, you know, I think the, we're, the, we're the two guys. It's not the same thing, but it's, we're, we're cut from the same cloth. And looking back on you supporting Max and him, Max supporting you and being ready to go next man up and looking back on that, um, you, you win with people. You don't win with anything else but people. Absolutely. And I think that, uh, if you think about it, like, you know, in any pro sport, you know, hockey, basketball, football, whatever it is, you know, the best teams with the most talented players clearly don't mm-hmm. always win. I mean, you, I go back to the hockey example. You know, the Tampa Bay Lightning were an absolute wagon, wagon last year. Wagon. And they end up getting, you know, knocked out by Columbus. Mm-hmm. You know, the, it's things like that are going to happen just, you know, kind of naturally. But uh, like you said, you know, you win with people. And I think, you know, like you touched on with uh, the goalies and the face-off guys are both kind of the, the weirdos in the locker room and, you know, have their little little quirks and, and need to have a kind of a loose, you know, loose screw to play the positions that we do. But, um, you know, I, I think it's so important that you kind of make that cohesive unit because you're going against each other, you know, whether you it's direct or not, you know, and, and it, our positions aren't like an attack and we can set a great pick or, you know, a midi has, you know, that secondary assist. It's pretty cut and dry if you're, if you're playing well and you're not because those numbers don't lie. Um, so I think it's just so important of having those intangibles of being a good teammate and being able to, to push the guy to the, you know, in your position group, because that only helps everyone in the locker room. And, you know, at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, so you said numbers don't lie. I could, that's a hundred percent true. Um, I think you have to also know how to evaluate those numbers, right? Um, so, true. So, so, so in true. a way numbers, they tell the truth. Listen, numbers don't lie, but I don't think they tell the whole story. So as a coach, how do you take that into consideration when you're evaluating goalies or any position? No, for sure. So it's funny. And uh, I, I've talked to other goalie coaches about this and I think it might be a little bit weird, but how I do this, but I personally hate goaltender uh, highlight tapes because if you think about it, how many goalies have you ever seen get scored on in a highlight tape? They're all hundred percent. How many passes yeah. have gotten picked off? How many, you know, how many, you know, runouts do they show in a, in a highlight tape? I like watching the raw film when it, when it comes to goalies just because how do you get scored on? What, what happened leading up to that? Was it a complete breakdown of your defense? Or was it, you know, you made a great save. Someone, you know, a ball squirts out. Someone doesn't pick up a loose ball. And then you get scored on. That might actually not be your fault. And I want to see that. So, I, I really like to see the, the raw film and see a full game of a guy before seeing, you know, his, uh, you know, summer clips that he, you know, made a dozen saves and I, I don't see a goal. 
Um, but I think that it, it's so important to realize that um, at the end of the day, like, like I said, you know, I want to see the mistakes that are made to see how correctable they are. Because at the end, of, when it when it comes to watching and, and coaching our positions, I don't care about how many you win at, at times, especially in practice. I care about how you're going about it, if that makes sense. So, uh, if you see a kid that it, it might be his hands are a little bit out of position and he's a, a quarter of a second late, that's more fixable than all of a sudden, oh, his you know positioning is all out of whack. So. I think it's just a lot of things that are more fixable than it's, I need to change everything about this game. Absolutely. And then that puts, and then, and then that puts um, I, I don't, I want to say a group accountability. So, so it's like, okay, like I have to put you in a position and get better as a coach. And if I do that, you buy into my stuff and you work harder and then we're on the same page and you kind of have to have tough conversations in order for that to happen. So we're going to end this on, we have in honor of Craig Kilborn, we have five questions. So there's a rapid fire. So, Oh boy. So first one, uh, favorite, are you bar? Quinn, come on. Yeah. I thought he was going to say Hughes for a second. I want to, you know, I, I, I missed out on that. That, uh, yeah. that, that was, um, I guess I kind of popped off after I left. We yeah, started. Yeah, was like my, no, it was like my junior yeah. my junior year kind of popped off. Because I think the um, you guys were big into Queens, and the grade above you guys was big into Queens, and we were into Queens because of you guys. And then it became like, all right, like we we weren't as well connected with the VIPs in our class, <laughs> so we don't want to wait on the fucking line. <laughs> so we're going to uh, Hughes. Drinks are cheap. I hear it. <laughs> oh man. I hear it. All right, second one, upstate New York versus downstate New York. All right, well, I'm going to have to – I need a caveat to this. When you ask upstate New York versus downstate New York, I am from downstate New York. That being said, I'm confident that you guys and then, you know, the Long Island guys are going to tell me I'm from upstate. I'm from the Hudson Valley. We're downstate. No, you're, we're down, you're, you're downstate. No, we're Hudson geographically intelligent. Yeah, the Hudson Valley region is one of the most beautiful places in the world. I'll fight that to the death. Uh, downstate, no question. I mean, my cousins live in Utica. That's that's upstate New York. Oh yeah, that's so the west. oh yeah. yeah. Where's the line? Where where do you guys draw the line? Westchester. You know, <laughs> once you hit Putnam, no. Um, honestly, At Bronzo, you're gonna, have to ask, you're gonna have to ask every person. I personally draw it at Albany. Okay, I would. That makes sense. That makes yeah, sense. I, I think that's pretty fair. All right. So this is the biggest character you've ever played with, either at Rutgers, pro level, high school. Any biggest character? Wow. Biggest character. That's a good question. This can go in so many different ways. You could say characters. I'm going to go – you know what? I'm, I'm going to go with, with a couple. I'm going to go with three. I'm going with Austin Devickis. Yep, Ozzy. Um, oh, yeah. Ozzy is a one-of-a-kind person in so many ways. Um, <laughs> the most buttoned-up person you'll ever meet to the point where, you know, people might think he's a little scary. Um, but at the end of the day, he's one of the, the nicest kids, and, and he likes to have a good time, and he, he's an awesome, awesome person. Um, I'm going to go with uh, with Eric Cooley. Um, oh, my God. My oh, he's a college star. roommate. I've known him since we were 10 years old. Um, the kid is an absolute riot. If he's ever had the chance to have a conversation with him, he. He's an all-time person. And then my last one. This is probably the toughest. 
Oh, man. I'm going to go with Sean. I'm going to go with Sean. Oh, Alex, Wait, Sean, me? shout out. <laughs> I'm going to go with Sean. Give, give a reason why. Just think for that. Just, um, I've never met someone who has just a consistent ball of energy to the point where there were times where I might have been exhausted after a workout and all of a sudden it's just a buzzsaw of questions and just, you know, always, always wanted to talk and always wanted to have a good time and just, you know, such a good down-to-earth kid. Um, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Sean. Oh, oh my man. god. Hey, I, I, I know that. in twenty minutes another person's gonna come to me. I might have to, you know, send it to you for a bonus one. But uh, oh, uh, sure. I, I thought you were gonna minutes. say Coretti. Uh I did, you know, Coretti did come to mind. Um I, I I definitely have spent so much time with that kid being in the same dorm freshman year that um, you know, I, I think I understand Coretti that he's not as much of a wild card to me at this point. Um but he's him and Cruz are definitely uh they were honorable mentions. Yeah, man. Hey, I, I appreciate that, by the way. Um, oh, of course. And shout out to Austin Davidkis. He had ankle surgery today. Uh, Ozzy, if you're listening to this, we love you, man. Get well soon. He'll be back better than ever. Can't wait to see him uh, getting back into it in box. I know it's coming. All right. We got two left. Uh, right. f- funniest Rutgers memory. Oh, boy. Funniest Rutgers memory that is – G-rated. Um, no, I would honestly say uh, – put me on the spot. It could be PG-13. It could be PG-13. I, I'm just trying to think what – Honestly, let's go raw. Remember. Let's go raw. <laughs> I don't know if I want to do that. Um, you know, can't re- really put too many people <laughs> on the spot here. Um, funniest moment. Oh, this is tough. That's, oh, this is tough. That's a tough question. I had to pin it down to one thing. Um, I'm going to go with the with the Coretti sleepwalk. <laughs> leave it at that. Just gonna leave it at that. Coretti sleepwalk. Oh, we, now I've heard that story, but refresh <laughs> us on that story. Refresh <laughs> us on that story. Really quick. I'm really. Not, <laughs> I'm not going to go too in depth in it. Um, you'll have to. Uh, you're going to have to talk to him. But uh, long story short, uh, after we had won a game our freshman year, uh, you know, one of two, um, he, uh, he, he slept a lot in the dorms, and he ended up somewhere he shouldn't have. Believe me. <laughs> oh, my God. I think I've heard this. I, I, I got it. You know what? We're, uh, we're going to talk to Scotty um, yeah, well, next week, and, and hopefully. Oh, my God. Hopefully. I, we'll, we'll see if you can pry more out of him. I, uh, I'm not going to throw him under the bus too much. All right. Last one. Headline grab. Will the Hammerheads win the championship? Uh, I'm not a huge guarantees guy, um, but what I will say is that attack-wise, I think we are incredibly talented with Kraus, uh, Sands, and, and Voight. I think they complement each other all really well. Um, you know, we've got some horses in the midfield with Osika, uh, you know, Radzowitz and, and those guys. Uh, defensively, you know, we're, we're definitely going to be young. Uh, Noah Ratzace and Austin is going to be good. And, you know, with Sean and, and you know, myself and Nett, you know, I, I really do think we're, we're a talented squad and, and might be slept on a little bit. So not going to make any guarantees, but I do think we're going we're gonna to be able to make some noise. That was amazing, Coach Speak. Congrats. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we awesome. get, yeah, we couldn't get anything out of you. What's up with that? Like, I've, uh, I've seen how the guarantees go, um, and I, I'm not going to be the guy to make one. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Mazone, Mazone made us a guarantee. Mazone is a, uh, Mazone's a different character. Yeah, it's a, little, it's a little bit different. But, Chris, this has been awesome. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. You know, 
technically this is going to air before Mazone, so first ever aired podcast guest. So thank you so much. No, no appreciate it, boys. Thanks for having me, and obviously good to, to see your shining faces. It's been a little while, and you know yeah. once we uh, once we start you know flatten the curve again, yeah, uh, let's uh, let's up and get together. Have to, have yeah, to. dude. We got to uh, we got to do some uh, car bombs over at uh, Irish <laughs> Irish car bombs over at Queens, bro. Can't wait. Um, all right, Chris. Well, thank you for uh, thank you for coming on. I uh, really appreciate you, and best of luck in the upcoming MLL tournament. No, I appreciate it, boys. Talk to you soon. Hey, you made it to the end, or I'm just talking to myself and Ryan. You stay classy, Piscataway. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.